Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Good morning. Good morning. Humor, these, humor me for a moment this morning. I'm high maintenance, but it's for a purpose. I'm not checking my text messages while I preach. That's there for a purpose this morning as well. Uh, so if I, each week for the next, during the month of July, we will be sharing whatever theme we have during the week of camp with you on Sunday morning. So if you are not here during the week in sports camp, then you can find out what we're talking about with our students, what we are studying together as a staff. Um, and it's been great. So last week, our theme was humility, right? And uh, I just felt like God was really speaking to our hearts and our minds all week. And imagine trying to share the meaning of humility with a bunch of 12 and 13-year-old boys, right? Yeah, that was fun. Okay. But we got there, right? Because we talked about some athletes that they know who are mostly, who are pretty humble guys, at least in public. And uh, they admire those guys. And then this week, we're talking about forgiveness. And, and so how could forgiveness, you know, impact a kid as an athlete or a potential athlete? And we're talking about how God can build um, some of these these character traits, these spiritual disciplines, or these needs of the heart that we have into them. And so even children as young as almost five years old, all the way up to high school students and our youth works, right? And maybe even parents who are hanging around overhearing the gospel all week. So What about humility? This past week, we talked about forgiveness. Next week's going to be a really fun one, unity. You can really get with sports and unity, right? And for you and I next week in church, if if the church is our team and unity is our theme, right? We can go, I know, right? We can go there next week, and I'm excited about that. But let me not get too far ahead. So today we're going to talk about forgiveness. If I were going to model forgiveness for you myself, um, I would have several opportunities a day to do that, right? One of the points you'll see in a few minutes is forgiveness between us, one another, right? And if I were going to model that for you this morning, um, I would say this. I would say, Morgan, I am so sorry for my poor communication and um, some other things that uh, please forgive me for causing you to waste some time, spend some time um, this morning that you could have been doing other things because I communicated poorly with you, right? If I were going to model forgiveness this morning, I would say, you know, uh, Diane, I I truly am sorry that um, for all the weak reasons that I would make excuses, Um, I am really sorry for the way I spoke to you this morning because I was tired, angry, and in myself. Um, So I am really sorry for that. And sisters, that you had to hear it. So please forgive me. You don't even have to forgive me right away. That's something we talked about with our students. One of our kids, 12 years old, I love this. Um, And I did not plan that. But if we're going to to be vulnerable, if we're going to be humble, and if we're going to be real, 
uh, in our relationships with one another, there are just going to be times uh, when we have to ask for forgiveness, sometimes even publicly. Watch this. If I offend you in public, I should apologize to you in some public form or fashion, right? I really should. That's, and this kid says, so this kid says, this kid says, yeah, sometimes it takes time. Sometimes I'm just mad. But I want to forgive you, but not right now. So this kid obviously has something on his heart in his head. He knew exactly what I was talking about the other day, man, and it hit home with him. So today, uh, first slide, as we're just going to talk about a few things here today. Um, and our, our theme for today is Psalm 103.12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You guys know I'm a biblical poetry nerd, but this is a device in poetry that is rich and meaningful. Jesus, when he forgives you, when God forgives you and me of our sins, how far is the east from the west? If you keep going east and you keep going west, conceivably, they never meet up, right? So that's how far God puts away your sins. I want to break out in a casting crown song, but you don't want me to, right? Casting crowns, I think I got it right. So, but you see this device in poetry is so beautiful. This is what God does for me and for you. So the, one of the first things we see that forgiveness, God's forgiveness of your sins is final. Listen, this should encourage you and this should encourage me. I shared this with kids during the week, right? Um, that when God forgives you for your sins, he doesn't get mad at you later on and say, remember what you did? I remember what you did last month. You remember what you did last month? I know as a parent, I was guilty of that. Uh, I, I was guilty of that as, at times as a parent, right? Sometimes even in our relationships, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, right? Uh, um, um, I forgive you, but I'm not going to forget what you did. Now, sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes. I'm not, I'm not saying that's a negative thing, right? But, but again, God's forgiveness of your sins is final. And that's very important when we talk about the nature and character of who God is, right? Because God is the only one who is able to forgive you and me for our sins. And God is the only one who is capable of doing that in such a manner that it never has to come up again. And if your sins are forgiven as a follower of Jesus, if the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to your life through salvation, this is true of you. You should be encouraged today. You no longer, you no longer have to live in fear, guilt, or shame about anything. We talk about this a lot in Celebrate Recovery because for many of us, these are the reasons why we drink, drug, eat emotionally, have anger issues, whatever the case may be. By the way, parenthetical statement, if you're a sinner, you qualify to be part of our Celebrate Recovery group. Um, but so because of this forgiveness, I no longer have to live in those things. See, sometimes, and uh, sometimes, and I didn't plan this statement, I'll be careful. Uh, sometimes the hardest person to forgive is oneself. See, sometimes God will forgive you and you may even pray and ask God for forgiveness because you believe that God will forgive you, but somehow you, and even I have done it, 
we manage to hold on to that and we beat ourselves up and we choose not to forgive ourselves. So here, watch this. If the creator, sovereign God of the universe said you are forgiven, guess what? Get over yourself. You are forgiven. I say this to myself with a smile on my face when I say it to you. But the creator of the universe, the God who loves you, says you are forgiven. See, this is what should attract someone who does not know Jesus Christ yet. This is one of the things that should attract them when you share the gospel with them. How could someone forgive me for the things I have done? Wow. And as followers of Jesus, you and I know some of the answer to that question. And if you struggle and wrestle with that, lean in a little bit today and hear what God's word says as we go to the next slide. So still right there in the same Psalm with our key verse here, not only does God say your sins are as far away as the east is from the west, here, this is where whenever we see something talking about the nature and character of who God is, this is important. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in mercy or loving kindness, your Bible may say. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Now, by the way, this verse 9 here, this is um, God is this way, but uh, he's also this. These are opposites. Because listen, God is not always going to come after you and me. Now, that's not, that's not a fun statement. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, if God is convicting you about something, particularly if you do not yet know Jesus as your Savior, you need to make that decision. You need to humble your heart and ask for forgiveness and get on your knees. Why? Because God may not always strive with you. God may not. So this idea, and, and, I'm, and, and, and I should say this carefully, I don't want to plant thoughts that are not biblical. Um, because when God chooses and calls, so God doesn't call someone he can't save, right? But if you're feeling the prodding of the Holy Spirit in your life, and even as a follower of Jesus Christ, right? Um, our hearts can become hardened. And this is a truth. He will not always strive with us, but he will also, and this is the opposite statement, right? This is, again, the beauty of poetry, but he also will not keep his anger forever. God doesn't stay mad. I love it. We used to mess around and say, if you're mad, say you're mad, you know, but, but God does not keep his, God does not keep a record of your wrongs. God does not keep a list. God does not stay. When you confess your sins, man, they are gone. This, the beauty of this Psalm, um, and there's a lot of truth about the nature and character of God, because in his grace, he offers us salvation in Jesus, but in his mercy, he says, I'm not going to give you what you really deserve. What I really deserve is God's wrath and eternal separation from God. Again, not another popular statement. But if we don't say that, we're not preaching the gospel. So we must preach the gospel in its entirety. And that is for the one who does not become a follower of Jesus Christ and confess their sins and repent and, and, and confess him as Lord and Savior, you will spend eternity separated from God uh, I do believe in a place that is hell and that has some type of eternal torment, which could simply be eternal separation from God and maybe even from others, but I'll be careful right for today. So, so when we talk about the nature and character of who God is, it's so important. And we continue even, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. That's God's mercy, right? We just talked about that. 
nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. That's my best definition. That's the Bible's best definition of mercy. He didn't give me what I really deserve. This is a great definition of mercy. Now, here we have it again, right? Um, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. So we have again this picture, right? Far as the east is from the west, as far as the heavens are from the earth. That's how much mercy there is available to you and me from God. Sometimes, follower of Jesus, you just get tired. And this morning, you need to hear that. God's not keeping account of, your, of last week's failures. It's a fresh start. His mercies are new every morning. And, and some follower of Jesus, me, and, me for sure, some follower of Jesus, that's going to be meaningful to you today. I know that it is. So we see this, that God's forgiveness of our sins, of your sins if you are his child, is final, right? Again, Micah 7, 19. I think this was one of our verses this week uh, in camp. He will again take pity on us. He will trample on our wrongdoings. Yes, you will cast their sins into the depths of the sea. Somehow I got ahead of myself, but, but this is... This is for you, Diane. Diane says this often, and she reminds us, reminds me of this biblical truth. God casts your sins into the deepest depths of the deepest dark sea, and then he plants a no fishing sign there. I'm not supposed to go fishing there, and God is certainly not going fishing there. Don't go fishing there on your loved ones either. You're not going to catch anything. God buried it, right? So we might get into trouble out there. That's what we might do. Oh my, I'll be careful. Okay, and so again, I've got a little out of order. He will take pity on us. And again, he casts all their sins into the depths of the sea. Follower of Jesus, that's where your sins are. No fishing. Sorry, Selena, you're really having to keep up over there. She's trying to figure out what I'm going to say next. Uh, Next slide. Number two, this is a tough one. This is not a choice. This is something that... um, This is something that we are called to do. You say, Charlie, how do you know that? Well, and I know you know, the Bible tells us. um, The Bible tells us that we are commanded to forgive one another. (laughs) Some of us need to bring a gift with our forgiveness too, (laughs) with our request for forgiveness, right? Yeah, okay. But we are commanded to forgive one another. Thank you, Selena. She's good, y'all, I'm telling you. All right. But we're commanded to forgive one another. Next slide. And here is why. Ephesians 4.32, I love this verse. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. If Jesus is our example, for everything that Jesus has forgiven me for, I must maintain a tender heart in order to extend forgiveness to others, especially when someone asks for it. And maybe even when they don't. And I say that with a question mark because I have my own theological challenges there that I won't bring out today because it's just not time. But be kind to one another. We're commanded. Look, and, and this kindness and tenderheartedness directly related to forgiveness, right? Because we need to practice. And again, I said it a few minutes ago, it's easy to become hard-hearted. It's easy. And this kindness, this idea of being kind, you might be kind to me even when I don't deserve it. 
Oh my, but that's not fair. Life's not fair. We got to do what the Bible says. God might call you to be kind to me even when I don't deserve it. Oh my, be kind to one another. But here it is, forgiving one another. Sometimes that's a tall order, man, because sometimes it's the people closest to us that mess us up the most, right? And that forgiveness is hard. That is. That is. Uh, It reminds me of a story that Ernest Hemingway, and I don't even know whether he was a follower of Jesus or not, but Ernest Hemingway obviously grasps some of the difficulty that characterizes relationships between fathers and sons in his short story, The Capital of the World. The story revolves around a father and his teenage son, Paco, and it's set in Spain. Paco was an extremely common name in Spain at that time. With desires to become a matador and to escape his father's control, Paco runs away to the capital of Spain, Madrid. His father, desperate to reconcile with his son, follows him to Madrid, and he puts an ad in the local newspaper with a simple phrase, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the Madrid newspaper office tomorrow. All is forgiven. I love you. The next day, as he approached the newspaper office, there was a large crowd outside, and he was confused. And then he figured out that there were 800 young men named Paco, standing in front of the newspaper office because they wanted forgiveness from their daddy. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes, just like the daddy said in his ad in the newspaper, all is forgiven. I love you. But sometimes, son, it's hard to forgive your dad, right? Maybe he hadn't been around. Maybe he doesn't deserve your forgiveness. I'm saying that with a straight face. Uh, except for what God commands us to do, right? According to the world standards and the way you might feel. Maybe it's not your dad. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe someone else who lets you down. So we have to wrestle with this. I'm not telling you what to do. We, we have to wrestle with the word of God because this is a hard one. But we are commanded to forgive one another. Next slide, lest we forget, right? The disciples asked Jesus, how shall we pray? And Jesus tells them how to pray. And in the middle of this prayer, he says, Oh God, you know, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. So with Jesus, that was a given in the prayer. He's saying, right, this is how we humans uh, who are not Jesus should pray, that, oh God, forgive me for my sins as I forgive them that sin against me. There's a direct connection here. There's other scriptures in the Bible. We won't get them all today. And this is not an exhaustive theology of the forgiveness of God, but we're sharing some of what God is teaching us through the word of God about forgiveness this week. So there's a direct connection here. Sometimes these are the toughest ones I know. And then the next slide, number three, it may seem overly simplified. We must confess our sins. Listen, say, um, me and God are good, man. He knows, he knows. He kn- no, no. He, God does know everything, right? But we are commanded. One, there's three things I thought, and I put them on this slide. We cannot, one, we cannot hide our sins, right? Some might say, thank you, Captain Obvious. But secondly, we're going to see in the word of God, unconfessed sin even impacts us physically. I, I have felt that before, guys. I, I've had the sleepless nights, 
I've had the tension. I've had, you know, all those things. Um, we'll talk about what the psalmist says. And then thirdly, um, God convicts his own of their sins. One of the work and the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of all unrighteousness. Now, that's regarding salvation when he says it in John chapter 16, but it's a part of the ongoing role of the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins. You know, um, um, I felt cruddy this morning. It wasn't just because I knew I had been unkind. It was because the Holy Spirit was convicting me of how I treat people sometimes. That there's, right, we talked to the kids about last week with humility, right? That, um, what did we say? My heart, my true self, my head is my thoughts and my hands are my actions. We're talking about humility. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, what's in my heart gets thought about in my head and then I do it with my hands or my feet. So even as a Christian, somehow there still can be some cruddy stuff coming out of me sometimes. We got to get that stuff out. Part of the way we, one of the ways we do that is we simply confess our sins to God. If you don't have an accountability partner, find one uh, of your same gender and someone with whom you think you can talk freely and who is trustworthy. Because I have an accountability partner, and uh, we talk most every Tuesday morning. And there are times where I just say, "Hey, before we have fun talking about how good God is, I, I, I'm going to confess something to you." Um, I used to have an accountability partner who was hardcore, man. We have four questions we ask one another every single week. They're written on an index card. And number four was always, did you just lie about the answer to any of these other three questions? <laughs> Kid you not, man. We asked each other. And there were times I said, well, but so again, um, but we, we can't hide our sin. The word of God says this. And if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. You say, well, oh, I know I'm a sinner. Well, how about when, like these kids out on the basketball court, I said, well, it wasn't my fault. It was your fault. I wouldn't have treated you that way if you hadn't treated me such and such. We sound just like the kids. We do. We do. I laugh at myself. I don't laugh at you, but I laugh. I laugh at myself sometimes. I do. I do. We're deceiving ourselves. If we confess our sins, though, he is faithful and righteous or just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is something about the cleansing. Sometimes it's almost, I can almost feel it when I confess my sins. The heaviness is gone. The joy starts creeping back in because I really do believe that God is who he says he is. And again, this is good stuff right here, y'all, and I'll be careful how much time I spend, but how blessed, how blessed is he or she whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. You are not charged with the crimes for which you are already guilty. God does not impute them to you. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, here we go. Here's what the psalmist says in 32. He also says it in another psalm. When I kept silent, and say about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. Sometimes I just feel tired, I feel cranky, and I know it's because, it's often, it's because of my, my own sinful selfishness and some unconfessed sin that I'm just not willing to deal with that day. 
And just like the psalmist, he knew, matter of fact, it gets even better, I think, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. That's a conviction of the Holy Spirit. My vitality, my strength was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Hey, look, y'all, we've been out there on that basketball court with that sun beating off the pavement. The guys are out on the football field. It's 97 Africa hot degrees out there. I'm sweating through my clothes. Sometimes my granddaughter say, Nolly Pop, you smell. It's hot out there. The psalmist, the poetry paints the picture, gives us the metaphor. He says, look, it's like when the heat drains all your energy. I never take a nap. The other day we got back to where we were staying. I fell out on the couch sitting up like an old coop. And, and I'm telling you, I think I stayed there for like two hours. And then I just kind of fell over for another hour. Man, I was drained. That's what our sin, that's what unconfessed sin does to us. I acknowledged my sin to you, God, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sins, Selah. That's what God does. That's what God does. Then you get your joy back. You get your strength back. And you know the difference if you're a follower of Jesus. So, so we must confess our sins to God. Again, that verse in Psalm 51. So I told my kids, maybe I shouldn't have, I told the kids this week that King David was a thug. That's what my Old Testament professor said, and I didn't disagree with him because he was my professor, but, but David did some stuff, y'all, right? Right? David, David hung out with this woman. Well, he did more than hanging out, but you know, we won't. He hung out with this woman that wasn't his wife. He whacked her husband. But then he didn't just whack her husband. He had other people do it. You know how you drag other people into your sin sometimes? And then he lied about it. Somebody just said that. And then he lied. After all that, he lied. And listen, he was broken, I do believe. He was so thoroughly broken over his sin. Matter of fact, in Psalm 51, he says, Let the bones that you have crushed heal. And then right after, before that, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew or put a right spirit within me. The psalmist knew the depths of his sin. He said, take the hyssop like it was dipped in blood and cover me, Lord. He, when he recognized, I, I don't know how you come back from that. But because he truly believed in God's forgiveness, David confessed to that sin, moved forward somehow in his walk with the Lord. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. I love the prayer and put up and renew a right spirit within me. Acts 3.19 says, therefore, repent and return. I like that. I like that preaches all by itself. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. Sometimes you need that refreshing from the Lord. When we finish a session out there on a basketball court and, and I can drink a whole cold water bottle without taking a breath because that water is cold and refreshing to me when I'm out there with the kids. Listen, God does refresh us. When we confess our sins, we're in his presence. We feel that that relationship has, it's not broken, but, but we quit hiding behind our sin. And God gives us, he renews that, that part of us. 
when we confess our sins. There's a truth in the scripture here that should encourage you and propel you forward towards God as opposed to hiding behind a tree like I do sometimes and pretend God doesn't see me. Amen. And number four, talk about confession of sin regarding our salvation. Listen, a couple of things here. One, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart the person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Now, I know this confession here is confessing Jesus as Lord. Part of confessing Jesus as Lord is confessing my sins to him. But this, this type of confession is what leads to salvation. You see, I could tell kids all day long that they need Jesus. But if they don't understand, they don't understand the depth of their own sinfulness and depravity. How do you share that with a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old, right? But we trust God and we do it, right? We do it from his word. We do it faithfully. But sometimes even you and me, we don't like to think, I use the word cruddy, right? Sometimes I don't think I'm a cruddy guy. You know what? Left to my own devices, I'm a cruddy guy. And and you might not want to be around me very long. But because of Jesus, I am no longer. Amen? And because of Jesus, you are no longer. So confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, you will be saved. The heart believes, the mouth confesses. Again, this confession and repentance that leads to salvation. Luke 15, remember, guy had a hundred sheep. One, one got away and the shepherd went after that one and left the 99. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. He said this to the scribes and the Pharisees because they thought they were okay. They knew what Jesus was saying to him. That's why a couple times they tried to put their hands on him and they picked up big rocks and they wanted to kill him, but it wasn't time yet. So Jesus did not give himself over. But he says, I tell you, oh, there'll be so much rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 others who don't think they need it. That confession and repentance. And, and follower of Jesus, we, this confession and repentance needs to be a regular part of who we are and what we do. Yes, it brings us and leads us to the foot of the cross for salvation, but it also needs to be a regular part of who I am and what I do. So today, as we think about these things, right, that we're commanded to confess our sins, we're commanded to forgive one another, which I think, you know, might be a really tough one to hear sometimes, uh, that we're, um, that, that God's forgiveness and have some joy that God's forgiveness of your sins is final. Listen, this always used to get me. The forgiveness of my sins, past and present, I'm always, you know, I'm good, I got that. But even my future sins, even my future sins are already forgiven in Jesus Christ. Then why do we confess? Because the Bible tells us to. So we confess our sins to Jesus and, and we repent right? And if there's a habitual sin in my life and I need to get real with it, I need to get real with it, right? And so, so there is this, um, um, there is this, this beauty, this refreshing child of God, even for those of you who are followers of Jesus, 
to continue to obey the word of God. Maybe you, maybe you need to go out and accept someone's forgiveness who has asked for it from you. And maybe that's a tall order. And maybe somebody hadn't even asked and you're glad because you don't want to forgive them anyway. That's where I lived for a long time. I still live there every now and then right now. Uh, and, and don't even know how I'd respond if that person asked for forgiveness. I would need a whole lot of, I need a whole lot of Jesus anyway, y'all. So, so these are tough. These are tough. So as we go to the Lord this morning in prayer together. Um.